0: Brad and Brit, Brad and Brit, the perfect combination of broad and wit. Politics, sports, and trending shit, let's
1: tune into Brad and Brit. All right, it's the Brad and Brit cast. It's the one to treasure for this week because this will be it. It's a one-day week for us, and we'll be back next Monday with an all-new edition. Okay? Yes. Uh, Sorry to... Sorry to disappoint you like that, but uh, <laughs> uh, things things come up. Just do, they just do. Sorry, got a list. All right, it's a it's a little short, but I don't think that matters because well, uh, here it is. Don wants it. Uh, women's soccer team announces new coach Uday Hussein. I love that. Um, uh, time for some more new lawyers, Don, and, uh, nice to hear from Kurt Schilling again.
2: (laughs) Do the, uh, women's soccer story, the women's national team, which had been dominant for a quarter century knocked out in the first round of the knockout round.
1: What was I that guess. score? Ten to nothing, or, or or nine to nothing? They were crushed. It was it was just they won. They, they lost
2: on penalty kicks. Uh, they lost on penalty kicks in the second I, round. I actually, penalty kicks.
1: Actually, uh, I, you know, I get up early. I, sh- I know you do too. Uh, I got up at about six thirty. I come downstairs about seven o'clock, and uh, this the soccer game's still going, and they're already in in extra time, and yeah, you know they go to the penalty and. C- Let's get a little broad here for for just a moment. That game in and of itself is why soccer, not women's soccer, not just soccer in general, will never, ever be what its proponents think it's going to be, which is a big four sport in this country right alongside football, baseball, hockey, basketball, because at that level – we do not accept no scoring in this country. We we don't. Chicks like the long ball, you know the whole and and yeah. the And that's not to say that it wasn't a brilliantly played. Game. The defense was great. The goalies were fantastic. But but zero. It just sucks. It just sucks. And when they have the whole thing decided On by penalty, penalty kicks, kicks yeah. it it just double sucks. It double it sucks. Weak. And um. But that aside.
2: But we but, as a nation. Aside. I mean, all all of us were certainly cheering for a group of people that were representing the United States of America proudly with well, USA on their first chest. Of all,
1: first of all, I think we have to revisit this whole thing about Sweden uh, being part of NATO. What, what are they doing? we, we got to kick them out. Well, well, that, uh, not a very way to say thank you, United yeah. States, yeah. because – as you know, we're the only country that, that that counts and we're it, right? There aren't any other right. countries. And if you're part of NATO,
2: you are you are required to lay down for us when we play international sports. I thought everybody exactly. understood that. I thought that that's how uh, that was working.
1: You would have thought you just don't insult the biggest patron. You know, we pay most of the bills and Right. Um, I think we once had a president who said, they never pay anything, and I got him to pay overnight. They mm-hmm. said, yes, sir, where do we deposit the money? I think that happened, didn't it? Something like that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, you know, they, they, they lose the game. And uh, I texted you and John the Catholic at 9 in the morning, 9 in the morning on Sunday. And I said, well, how long will it take? For the right wingers and Trump to to jump all over this, and uh, the answer was I think about three or four hours before yeah. the shit really started to uh, hit the fan and blame the the horrible horrible habit of a team just not being American enough for conservatives to cheer for. I don't know how else to to put it. So they all piled on and they reveled in the loss. Of the United States women's soccer team because they didn't sing along with the national anthem, as opposed to countries where if you don't sing the national anthem, they take you out in the back and beat the ho- the hell out of you, right? Mm-hmm. You get killed. Um. And uh, the king jumped in Trump and actually equated the loss to the fact that Joe Biden is the president and this country just can't do anything right anymore. Just, it, was just, well, it was just horrible. There, there's just a horrible. history.
2: Megan Rapinoe, of course, who's the most famous player on the team, has been an outspoken supporter of uh, equal rights, the LGBTQ community. They knelt during the national anthem. I think she's also been outspoken against Trump back when he was in office. So he's been waiting in the bushes for this for a while.
1: Right. And uh, I mean... To be to be fair, she she is not the most um lovable person. But you know what? That's not matter. There are it's lots really... of great athletes who aren't the most lovable people. It's quite irrelevant. When that's
2: that's quite, and, irrelevant, and Brad, quite Brad, irrelevant. That's quite often. for when they're, that, when, when the they're topic, playing for, right? wait,
1: when they're, play, when they're yeah. playing for your country. Yeah. you know. As opposed to Trump it's, who, it's as opposed to
2: Trump who is the most adorable and lovable president of all time. Exactly. <laughs> Easily yeah. able to be embraced by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, Megan Megan Rapinoe has been a tremendous player her entire career now she's ending she's I think 36 years of age now and 38 she used at, yeah 38 she's used as a reserve and she was not ex- especially effective and was not a big striker and she missed a penalty kick so it's great to just pile on her because she's a piece of shit now that's that's basically what's happening here
1: uh, Alexi Lawless, former men's national team player. I think he's one of the uh, studio people on, on Fox, or was he one of the play-by-play guys? I can't remember. His he was name. not one of the play. He was a studio guy, and he was
2: a former studio goalie guy. for the U.S. national team.
1: Yeah. He called the team polarizing unlikable to a portion of America. Well, you know what? The Dallas fucking Cowboys are unlikable to a portion of America, too.
2: Vanilla ice cream. is. Uh, it, 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 we, we live in a polarized country, motherfucker. Toenails. Are polarizing to a segment of America.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um sometimes, sometimes your team just doesn't win. That does happen. We're we're very we're Thank very, you. very familiar with Thank that.
2: Thank you. We had a dominant period and now we got to reset and then we'll be back. But I'm sure these same people, when they come back and uh, the new set of American women come and dominate, they'll be like, yeah, really supported them the whole time. Really loved them, thought they were great dipshits
1: trump said the shocking and totally unexpected loss okay it wasn't shocking and it wasn't totally unexpected sweden is the number two ranked team in the world yeah they're not no and we barely made it to the knockout round exactly it's emblematic says trump of what's happening to our once great nation under crooked joe biden yes when your soccer team loses it's proof that oh god Many of our players were openly hostile to America. No, they weren't. No, no, they They weren't. weren't. They weren't. They were terrible. No other country behaved in such a manner or even close. Woke equals failure.
2: Let me me stop you right there because I'm hearing a lot from uh, Donald Trump these days that, eh, I was just practicing my right of free speech. I wasn't uh, trying to undermine an election to 90 people's rights or trying to foment an insurrection. It's just free speech. So when he wants to practice free speech and lies about it because that's not what he was doing, then, you know, that's, that's fine. But when these women practice, which they really were over the years, talking about he how he's full of shit, eh, not so good, not so good.
1: Well, see, but let me explain this to you. Please do. Uh, uh, kneeling for the uh, national anthem or not singing its words is as about as close to treason as you get. Uh, lying and sending your third-rate hack lawyer, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, to repeat over and over again the lie that this is somehow a First Amendment case, the January 6th, indictment and it is not but you can see the effectiveness of lying over and over and over again because you hear more people parrot it who know it's not true but they don't care um and that is of course a complete 180 degree reversal of reality Mm -hmm. because lying about The election and lying to undermine the democratic system of government in this country, while protected under the First Amendment, does not extend to then taking action to destroy that First Amendment constitutional guarantee that you have. You lose it the minute it turns into action. You and I can talk all day long about wanting to just in case we don't win the uh, billion-dollar drawing tonight about going to our local bank branch and withdrawing money that we think should be ours because we believe we should have won. We can joke about that. But the minute the minute we uh, purchase guns and start to make plans about it, suddenly we've begun to commit a crime. <laughs> and
2: hey, hey Bob can I the, pay you $150 the, to kill my right, wife
1: <laughs> and the discussion that we had the other day about doing this there are no first amendment protections that extend to what we did when we went and bought the guns and filled up the car with gas and bought the masks and were uh, about to rob that bank and if we're caught even if we haven't robbed the bank we're conspiring to commit mm-hmm. a crime. It's uh, mm-hmm. kind of a rough, rough uh, analogy there, but you get the you get the point. Anyhow, uh, we always like to see the United States do well. Well, most of us, and uh, you know, I just don't. They lost a the game. God, it's not the end of the world. They're,
2: yeah, we just came off of a dominant period. Every every sports uh, franchise that's had to a dominant period. Uh, has a period where they kind of refract no, they rebuild no, they no, come back.
1: everyone else Britt wins forever and they never lose a game see oh, so that period difference. between They've
2: 1981 win. and 1995 when the New york Yankees were kicking ass that was a that was a good time
1: yeah <laughs> yeah remember we those
2: those were good days
1: yeah we get the point all right uh, uh so donald Trump wants to be arrested beyond just the fact that he was arrested and indicted. He wants to be arrested for violating the judge's orders that were given to him in person last week to uh, shut the fuck up, stop threatening people. And that, of course, now extends to the idea that he would love to completely turn everything upside down by divulging evidence that will be turned over to his side by the prosecution in the discovery process, which I don't know about you, Britt. I've lived a long time. I can't remember that ever, ever happening, Mm. ever. But since the whole Donald Trump modus operandi is to delay and destroy and confuse and throw sand into the gears of the justice system, a preliminary order has been given that Trump should not be doing this and because over the weekend on social media he went after uh everything that breathes that doesn't support him including jack smith nancy pelosi the u.s women's soccer team making personal threats uh you come after me i'm coming after you Britt, that's not a threat that's just aspirational right
2: <laughs> i do love that I love the aspirational try to when you go to the magistrate's office and you say, uh, yeah, sure. I said, I'm coming over to your house to murder you. It was just aspirational.
1: <laughs> That's
2: all it was.
1: Where Where did it come up with that one? I don't know. I don't, I don't where feel did, like he, where
2: did... I don't feel like he came up with that on his own. I feel like that was fed to him by somebody somewhere.
1: Trump was exercising his First Amendment rights with his aspirational speech where Trump was asking Pence and others to help him overturn the election. So that would be the speech right before the riot, right?
2: Yeah, we're going to be very tough, and we're going to fight like hell and all that other shit, yeah?
1: Chuck Todd of NBC pressed attorney John Lauro on this issue when they talked about the phone call. To uh, Brad Rafsenberger, the Georgia Secretary of State, the find me 11,780 votes. You always have to have the pause in there.
2: Pause, yeah.
1: And Laura says, well, there was no threat involved in there, even though on that phone call, Trump does say, you know, you could be criminally charged if you don't do what I say, if you don't investigate And find me 11,780 votes. He was just asking for the Secretary of State, Laura's words, to act appropriately and find those votes that were counted illegally. And then Chuck Todd says, find. And then the lawyer comes back. Hold on one second. This was an aspirational ask. He's entitled to petition even state government. That's not petitioning the government. So all this is right now is a PR campaign in public to confuse, to taint a prospective jury pool any and everywhere. The good news is that most people don't pay attention to the news and they will not hear this. They won't. Not what we're saying, but the topic in general they don't so when the evidence is actually presented in court when that audio is played again for a jury good luck in standing up there and telling people that uh, donald trump is just an ambitious guy just a just a an aspirational person he aspired to make sure that the election was held fairly and the votes were counted correctly and he just was asking using that particular number eleven thousand seven hundred eighty votes it's just a random number it's like when you go buy a lottery ticket they just you know a thing spits out a random number that was the number that came into his head right right there's just no other
2: number it could have been any number at all
1: could have been any number it just happened to be that number or as donald trump then said that's one more then we needed <laughs> how lucky he's so smart How lucky yeah he's so smart um and have you have you noticed in the last day or two or so everybody's writing all the columns now they're all saying oh well, this is how trump's gonna win this one this is how he's gonna beat this one here's the here's the strategy rah, 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 rah. and what's left out now of these articles and columns that are in awe at one level of uh, Donald Trump's criminal craftiness and his ability to Teflon Don his way out of everything for 70 years plus now is the fact, and it isn't the same every time. It is different this time. We have never had a president who has behaved this way and tried to overthrow the very government that he purportedly wishes to lead, which he really doesn't, that he only wants to quote unquote lead and win the election so that he can have four more years of immunity. And you notice that that's not mentioned anymore. It, we, we've, we've said that once already. We don't have to say that anymore. We're just going to get on to the brilliant tactics of Trump right now <laughs> to confuse and gaslight everyone, and that I find be. that a, an abrogation of duty again by the press. You're giving him too much respect here. Well, You're that should be the too slugging. much.
2: That should be Trump 2024. Keep me out of prison. I mean, that's that's the that's the whole point of yeah. all of
1: this. Yep. Yep. Um, he wants to be martyred. He wants to be sanctioned. He wants all of these things to happen, and he wants them to happen now because the way they're looking at it, every minute that's delayed is another minute that a trial could be denied the United States of America before the election. And I know... Donald Trump is uh, is entitled to a presumption of innocence, and he doesn't have to prove his innocence. The government has to prove its case. The government has to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt to 12 jurors of the peers of Donald Trump, of which there really are none because he's such a superior person that uh, he committed actual crimes that he didn't just say things. So just how many Republicans, how many Republicans who were part of his world, who he appointed, who were on his team, how many of them will have to step forward and say, no, we told him and he knew. And every action that he took subsequent to that is proof that he is guilty of the crimes which he has been charged with including crimes against the United States of America itself. How many? Well, it doesn't really matter because we're still in the point where now we're just giving uh, Donald Trump the full runway to lie and gaslight and get away with things and then start to tout survey numbers, polling numbers, about how well this is working. And I don't think it is. I think we're being horn-swoggled, not on purpose, but inadvertently. Eight years of numbness, I think, is being expressed right now in the way this is being covered. You know, this is not about both sides-ism. This is not about about what-about-isms. This is not about Hunter Biden. This is a case that is different from all others. And this whole idea... (laughs) that there is some legitimacy to things of the like of when Trump says, uh, why did they wait two and a half years to do this? Now that I'm a leading candidate for real, now they're coming after me. This is all about trying to prosecute me and convict me because I would be the next president. And they hate that. Why didn't they do this? Two and a half years ago. We've already talked about this. They couldn't have done this right after the election and they couldn't have done this. Oh, what? I'm sorry. They tried this after the election. It was called impeachment. That's right. right After January 6th. That's right. Remember, in the the two weeks he had left in office, they impeached him again. They did. And the gutless Republican senators gave him a pass.
2: He He was impeached after he was after he was out of office. He was impeached afterwards with the goal being that he could not run for office again, and the Republicans wouldn't go for it.
1: so yeah. Seven of them would. Seven of the senators did. So he got up to 57. Mm-hmm. But 43 didn't. Did not. And what was the reasoning that a lot of them who voted no to convict gave, even though many of them were actually saying, well, Donald Trump did these things. It's his fault. He put my life in danger. What he did was wrong. What was their reasoning? Their reasoning was that the legal system will take care of this and we don't have to put our dicks on the line politically by voting to convict in the Senate and making Donald Trump ineligible to run again, because that's what would have happened if he would have been convicted after impeachment, or as it said all over television, everywhere else impeached. We know he was impeached. Again, there you go. That's a language problem. That's an intelligence problem. They now, like the dumbest people you know, who don't know the difference between, say, attorneys general being the plural of more than one attorney general, that Donald Trump was impeached twice. He was not convicted either time. But the word conviction now has gone away when they describe this. You know what I'm saying, Britt? Mm-hmm. They just talk about uh, well. They tried to impeach him twice, and it didn't work. Well, the impeachment actually did work. Mm-hmm. He did get impeached twice in the House, which was democratically controlled. Uh, yeah, the he second just didn't impeachment get convicted in the, Senate,
2: the right? second impeachment uh, trial took place February 9th of 2021. Well, it was nice. after he had already left the office. So, oh, well, the, the goal.
1: Well, Brit, that was the you can't impeach a guy after he's not president <laughs> well, anymore. That was part so of that gonna, was part of the reason we're going to vote to. to that was court, part of the right. That's what some did. of
2: the some of the Republicans would not go for conviction based on right. that. I mean, that was the Josh right. Hawley crowd. And the, I'm sure the right. Tommy Tuberville crowd.
1: Right. And and uh, the legal system will take care of that. That was the that was the Mitch McConnell line. OK,
2: but it has to be taken um, care of in a timely fashion that we think is good. If yeah. it's two and a half years later, then it doesn't count.
1: Right. But if it's one year later, would that have been OK? Of course, That's too soon. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. Too soon. Right?
2: There's a, uh, uh, after a year, between a year and a half, after a year and a half, it's too much. There's a small window of six months there. Then it will be acceptable to Donald John Trump, the greatest president, who ever lived.
1: Uh, Mike Pence is just a, a profile in disgrace. <laughs> he just, to, to, to hear him tiptoe, Uh, one inch at a time, to uh, say, now, did you know it's true? Donald Trump really did try to get me to overturn the election. Wow. Mike, no. You're kidding. You mean the same subject that you wouldn't even speak about for two months after January 6th, and then refused to appear before the January 6th committee last year you're finally coming around to to that after you know, a horse taking a shit in the middle of the street draws more flies than you do to your to your campaign Pfft, come on he's dreadful oh but don't worry, he's selling t-shirts that say you're too honest ha ha
2: ha ha okay. <laughs> Which I think goes back to Donald Trump's mindset. Like if again, you're gonna to have to prove, oh well, yeah, you, you have to prove that he thought he lost the election. Well
1: And the answer is no, you don't, but that's another thing. Th- th- they're going right along with it, right? This is being mm-hmm. reported as if that's the only thing that matters. And since Jack Smith can't really get inside Donald Trump's mind, we're never gonna know for sure. It's not gonna matter that a hundred people will testify to the fact that he said to them in person, which they will testify to under oath, that I can't believe I lost to this guy, I hate that I lost to this guy, we lost, and then there'd be a pause, and then he'd talk about whatever crooked scheme he had to try to steal the election. That would not be proof of his mindset, Britt. The only thing we would have that would convince us of his mindset would be audio- recordings of him saying okay i lost to joe biden i admit it i really really do it anything less than that right doesn't count
2: and now i'm going to try to cheat to win i mean if you don't have that statement
1: of exactly it doesn't count
2: and now i'm going to send a bunch of people into the Capitol to try to murder nancy pelosi i mean unless you actually have him saying those words
1: right we're going to build a gallows (laughs) we're going to build a gallows and try to hang my, unless we have that, nothing is, uh, nothing is legitimate. But it's not an issue anyway. That's the point. That's the point. Uh, just because I believe that I have a right to that money in the bank does not give me an excuse to go rob that bank. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Right. In fact, here's a here's an actual example right now. You saw the news over the weekend that again, not my bank, Wells Fargo, <laughs> <laughs> fucked up f- fucked up and uh, a bunch of people's uh bank accounts suddenly showed zero. They <laughs> they went to zero, all their money disappeared. And uh they've fixed it, all the people have been made whole. Let's just say that happened to you and you were so mad that you said, you know what? I really believe Wells Fargo stole my money. I really do believe that. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get a gun and I'm gonna get my money. <laughs> my bank balance was five thousand oh. one hundred eighty dollars. <laughs>
2: well, that's that would be your that would be your first amendment right to say something like that. You certainly yeah. would be protected under the first amendment to say anything like that
1: until you get the gun and walk into the branch you're not you're not protected by the first you're
2: not no that's a threat if i go and if i if i go brad i'm coming over to your house right now i'm going to burn it down and i'm going to murder you and your family that's not protected free speech (laughs) it just isn't under any circumstances at all
1: yeah um this lawyer john lauro it's he the did lawyer the full, of the
2: week.
1: Yeah, he did He did the full Ginsburg. He was on every show uh, over the weekend, some more than once. And uh, he really got into it real good with uh, CNN's Dana Bash. I mean, it was about a 12-minute clip. I watched it. Oh, man. She just, she just wouldn't give him an inch. And he doesn't deserve an inch because he's full of shit.
2: He is. He's super um, full of shit.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dan Bash says, what happened on January 6th was not peaceful because, of course, Laura was already going down that idiotic road. All right. Laura responded to uh, what happened on January 6th was not peaceful by saying, the transfer of power was certainly peaceful. And then Dan Bash says, well, did you see what happened on January 6th? Did that <laughs> look peaceful to you? And then he says, I'm not saying, that that was in any way appropriate. Thank you. But the ultimate power of the presidency was transferred to Mr. Biden. We all know that that happened as you do. So with a straight face, he wanted you to know that because what was it about seven hours later than it should have happened because the U S Capitol was ransacked, threats were levied, property damage was, Inflicted. Dozens, hundreds of police officers were injured, some of them mortally. Just because that happened, because later that night, they finally did Mike Pence certify the real electors that, therefore, that was a peaceful transfer of power. So this is the kind of shit that they're putting out there into the public air and it actually works for people who want to believe that. They they get the affirmation, one of your favorite words, that Not information what they're thinking has some validity to it. It might have really been a a legitimate political discourse that was again, upset by Antifa. It was an inside job by the federal government to make Donald Trump look bad because Trump's lawyer says there was a peaceful transfer of power at the end of the day. And this is, for once, when you use the phrase at the end of the day, it isn't a cliche. It actually applies to the time of day that, Pence finally was able to uh, did they do know, that before midnight, or was that at 2 in the morning that they finally you know, I, got I was
2: I, I did see Oppenheimer yesterday, and there was a peaceful surrender in the end.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> the Japanese did. They just signed the document. The war was over.
1: Yeah. Uh, nothing in the interim.
2: No, no. no just <laughs> some unpleasantness.
1: Yeah. yeah. It does happen. Uh about nice to hear from from Kurt Schilling again.
2: Yeah, Kurt Schilling, the former pitcher for several teams including the Diamondbacks and the Red Sox, most notable for that bloody sock situation back in 2004.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he went on he went on Fox on Friday night with uh your favorite guy Jesse Waters. Jesus. Right. And he was a—he uh, was schooling everybody. He was schooling everybody on um, the history of the United States about the revolutionaries. And I'll tell you what—I think I can actually pick this one up here. We'll pick this one up, and you'll hear him go all in. Here you go.
0: To, to to come out from under a tyrannical government, and then eventually, at some point, there was a man at Concord who decided he was going to pull the trigger. And, and I feel like we're getting back to a point where somebody's going to have to pull a trigger because everything yeah. we hold dear, everything this country was founded on is. Wait,
1: wait. So he says that Jesse Waters is looking into the camera almost with a Tucker Carlson puppy dog. What the fuck <laughs> kind of look? Because yeah. he's he can detect that Schilling is talking about real violence here. Okay? Yeah. So. Waters actually tries to be a slight voice of reason. Check this out. This is great.
0: Just dragged through the mud and mocked and made fun of. This country was founded on godly principles. No matter how offensive that is to the left, it's true. Well, I'm going to assume Um, that you mean
2: pull the trigger metaphorically. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no, I mean, it doesn't matter no. if I say metaphorically, because they're going to run with that quote no matter how I put it. I could yeah, phrase ass. it in any possible way, saying stand up and fight and blah, blah, blah. And I would be inciting a riot while Maxine Waters says, you know, get in their face. And no, beat I understand. Them, and I've said this to Jim Jordan, yeah, yeah.
2: I've said this to these right. congressmen. You know, they throw a subpoena
0: around, they fire off a really bold letter, gotcha. Republicans need to go on the war path. And that means they gotta use every tool necessary. Yeah, they gotta do what's being done to them. Yeah. Because that's the only way
2: So How many years have they run with that Maxine Water shit? Is it like six years now or something?
1: Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. How long how long are
2: we going to continue with this maxine water shit that she said six Wha- years ago?
1: What why don't you why don't you just go with Benghazi? It would be a lot easier.
2: <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true
1: it would be a lot easier.
2: Oh, did you, I I was, have you listened to some of the pod save America stuff from last week? Yeah. Did you, did you know about the, the Swalwell McCarthy exchange? Did you hear that story?
1: I remember hearing it, hearing about it. Let me, Uh, let me paint a picture for those that 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 don't know. traction here. Go ahead.
2: Eric Swalwell, the representative, well-known Democratic representative, apparently was making remarks about Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, being very weak. And Kevin McCarthy said to him like publicly in his face, if you call me a pussy again, I'm going to beat your ass. So Eric Swalwell looks at him and goes, you are a pussy. <laughs> In that exact cadence, according to several bystanders and witnesses, Kevin McCarthy spun on his heel and walked off <laughs> as a
1: as a pussy would, right?
2: Which is great. I just love that exchange. Yeah, it's funny when, like, when Jesse Waters has to be the at least staged voice of reason, right? In that particular clip that you played. Well, He's got to well, be- that
1: lasted for less than a tenth of a second, <laughs> it did.
2: The thing about Jesse Waters that makes him so infuriatingly annoying is he, I think this is where Tucker Carlson and Glenn Beck were not, they, they had a disadvantage compared to Jesse Waters because I think both of those guys are way smarter than him. Jesse Waters doesn't really care if he looks stupid. He really doesn't. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him if he looks like the dumbest fuck who has ever uh, walked out of the primordial ooze. He just does not care, and he will he will look as dumb as he possibly can, and and come back the next day as though he's won five Nobel prizes, six Peabodys, and seven polks. That's that's the thing about that guy. Hmm.
1: Rootin' Tootin' Lauren Bobert adores guns so much that she once open-carried in her now-defunct restaurant. Remember, she was a restaurant owner before. Yeah. It was called Shooter's Grill in Rifle, Colorado. She also posed with a T-shirt that labeled guns as human hole punchers, and she recently trashed a pin that was meant to commemorate a school shooting victim. One of her followers, because of her love for the Second Amendment, made an inquiry to ask people if they'd like to go shooting with Lauren Boebert, she's from Colorado. To that, Lauren Boebert posted an even more root and, and photo of herself while apparently operating an M203 grenade launcher and having a good time with that kind of ammo. So we've seen all the pictures of various representatives, people running for office, posing with guns sometimes with their entire family. I think it's Thomas Massey of Kentucky with the famous Christmas card, right? There's about eight of them in the family. They're all holding AR style rifles. And Lauren Bobert has taken it all to a, a new level. And uh, you, can, you can check her out on her X thing or Twitter thing. And uh, she's posing there, shooting off a, a grenade launcher. <laughs> oh, God. I, I have an idea. How about a one-way ticket to Ukraine? They need <laughs> grenade launchers. They do. They could use they them. They need people. They need lots. Oh, wait, she's probably against that whole idea. She's probably on the Putin side anyway. What am I thinking, right? Right. Because Republicans are, are the peacenicks and uh, Democrats just want endless wars right isn't that how that weirdest
2: thing it's the weirdest oddest thing can i tell you my story now about uh maga or maga truman go ahead so i i saw oppenheimer and you should see it it's really good they left the door wide open for a sequel
1: i hear wait a minute here's i'm now really really averse to seeing it in the theater because i understand yeah that the dialogue is very difficult to understand that the mix on the sound is horrible.
2: I didn't find that. I found there, and, were, there well, were a couple of, there were only a couple of instances where I found that.
1: Well, and, and here's the, the, uh, the, the reason for it, because uh, the director, what's his name? Christopher, what Nolan?
2: Nolan. Yeah. Chris Nolan.
1: He refuses to uh, dub in dialogue. Like the way you see in most movies, when Weird.
2: like they lose, when an they issue, loop and they come back and they make it.
1: it. They come, but they have the actor come back and say yeah. exactly the same thing. And right? If it's done correctly, you don't know, but you can you can hear it better. And he says he refuses to do that. He wants the performance as it was before the cameras as they yeah. rolled, and <laughs> he doesn't. He says, "I don't care whether the soundtrack." muffles the well, i don't like that and at least when you're watching at home you can you can have some control over that yeah, you can change I, the settings or you can go with with captioning, captioning or i don't something. like i don't like that i, don't I would like say
2: I, my my suggestion would be you would absolutely 100 percent want to see this in the theater because of the the audio sound effects and stuff when the bombs are exploding they're very it's it's striking um and I, I, did. I thought it was very good. First of all, I'm, I'm going to get to the point because a lot of times we meander on this thing. Everybody who's ever been in a motion picture is in this thing. It's the, it's a mad, 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 mad world of, of, of dramatic films.
1: Oh, don't tell me, Buddy Hackett shows up. Buddy in Hackett's
2: his. in there. Phil Silvers is in oh, it. Oh my. Phyllis Diller. No, uh, Rami Malek is in it. Of course, you know Matt. Sid Damon Caesar.
1: Sid Caesar.
2: Uh, Matthew Modine, Gary Oldman, who I'll talk about in just everybody who's ever been in a it's 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 a really good movie. But there's one scene that pissed me off, and it's about three, maybe four minutes of the movie. We don't see Truman the entire film. We do not see him, and then famed Academy Award-winning British actor Gary Oldman portrays Truman in one scene. It's after the war is over, and of course, um, Oppenheimer is one of the most famous men in America. He's on because people are wanting to know about this whole new explosive device and all this stuff they call he, he got
1: o- a podcast didn't he they started doing he did, a podcast right? he did
2: a podcast it was called this will blow your mind no uh sorry little too soon anybody
1: never too soon
2: never too soon. so he uh truman calls oppenheimer to the oval office uh to have a meeting to talk to him and oppenheimer starts talking about his fear that there's going to be an arms race you know between us and the russians and uh, Harry Truman goes, uh, ah, it's not going to happen there. We're the part that got me was, and it's, this is pretty well recorded in history and pretty well documented.
1: But, but The Trump's did, uh, Truman say that because we were so far ahead of them right after the war he thought they'd never catch up
2: he thought that they were not technologically advanced and because they were going to close off their society and stuff they were not going to be able to get the best people and they weren't going to
1: be able to catch up well Which we had I the also, rosenbergs to help out we had the rosenbergs well to help you
2: know they didn't do and I, I i also feel that that's portraying harry truman as a little bit naive and i don't think that that's accurate but the the line that is recorded throughout history very well is oppenheimer said to truman I feel like I have blood on my hands. You may have seen that as a clue on Jeopardy last week, that particular piece. And Harry Truman goes, no, the blood is on my hands. That is how the, the exchange happened. In the film, when Hoppenheimer says, I feel like I have blood on my hands, Harry Truman makes a weird face as if to mock him. And Gary Oldman, as Harry Truman, dramatically takes out his pocket handkerchief, waves it at him, And then dramatically fake hands it to him to wipe the blood off of his hands. And then gives him a speech about, do you think anybody in Nagasaki gives a fuck who created the bomb? They only care that I'm the one who authorized the the bombing of Nagasaki. And then Harry Truman goes on to kind of mock Oppenheimer for being a bitch. And as he's going out of the office, he tells the secretary of defense, Gary Oldman, as Harry Truman, keep that crybaby out of here. I don't think that's I, I don't think that's an accurate portrayal, and I think that that is, from the filmmaker's point of view, uh, an attempt by Chris Nolan to make him into MAGA Harry Truman. That you pussies don't understand. We had to do this, and anybody who had misgivings about creating something that killed a couple hundred thousand people, get take your take your uh, panties off and get in the game. I, I I thought that there's no way that that exchange could have happened the way it did, and now that I'm reading some of the recordings of history. I, I'm still convinced that that's not at all how that went down.
1: Well, I think every historical movie like that, they decide to take poetic license in order okay to that. advance. Yeah, to ad- advance. In this case, if it's uh, about Oppenheimer, you make him look just a slight less bad <laughs> in a moment that they didn't have to do that well, i they, agree with you they, they, did, they what, didn't have to do that what what was the point of doing that
2: i don't i don't know and what, I, again in that i'm okay when you're making a historical a movie based on historical you know facts it's difficult to get everything right because people are going to go no they didn't hire this guy to the project before they hired this guy and this guy i don't i don't care that's fine i don't give a shit about that this was and I, I i don't I don't know why. Yeah, again, that wasn't inc- necessary for the three to four yeah. minutes that Harry Truman appears in the film. You make him look like uh, an uncaring asshole, basically is what the is what they were going with there.
1: Did you uh, quickly notice the forty eight star flags where the fifty star flags I, were supposed to be? I didn't did. That pay... even get, did you? You forgot no. about that story no, already? Huh?
2: I didn't. No one. No one pays attention to
1: that shit. No, so I, I, you're you're supposed to be the guy that stands up in the theater. Look, because now, it, it's a fraud. Now, now that people can't behave in movie theaters anymore, they come in naked. You'll you enjoy it. Yeah.
2: You you would enjoy it because you you get some of the history and a lot. Of, the whole movie is basically framed the, about the, around this um, rivalry between Louis Strauss and Robert Oppenheimer. And Louis Strauss is, is, is portrayed is there by a, Bob Baring. Is there
1: an intermission?
2: Three hours? No, no. really, no. You either gotta go piss on your own time and miss something or whatever. But Louis Strauss, um, who was a big player in the development of the the nuclear bomb and atomic energy is portrayed by Robert Downey Jr. And he's going through his confirmation hearing to become the commerce secretary under Eisenhower. And he eventually fails at that. And they very dramatically at the end of that go, yeah, you, you lost some votes to these senators, including this junior senator from Massachusetts. Guess who that is, Brad? <laughs> he was he he was a war hero. <laughs> so yeah, it's but I, I it's I I liked it. I there were not a there were a couple of pieces of dialogue I didn't get, but for the most part, I got most of it. And I didn't watch the super seventy millimeter two D. I, I watched the regular thirty five millimeter two D showing. I think uh, mm-hmm. it's, that I, I'm just curious. Now, see, now that I've, I've given you the Iggy on it, you should watch it just to see if that thing with, um, with Truman bothers you as much as it did me.
1: Well, it's not fair because you've. Uh, yeah, I've given you the Iggy. You've poisoned me. In fact, now, you've, ba- you've basically spoiled the movie for me. And, <laughs> this, you know what? I refuse to see it now. I just but it's, absolutely. No, it's, it's,
2: it's an amazing story uh, historically because when Truman was, you know, when he was sworn into office in April of 45. He didn't know anything about the Manhattan Project. He had no idea that they were building that. And so you go 120 days out within those 120 days from him not knowing about it to us bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki and ending the war.
1: Hey, I, I don't have as exciting a a, a brand-new piece of entertainment to tell you about as as you did. But, but you know, I throw stuff into the DVR. Sometimes it takes months to get around to watching it. And yes. Uh, we, we watched something last night that's been sitting in the DVR for a couple months. It's from the public broadcasting American Masters yes. <laughs> series. And this one, and it's, it's a brand new one, you know, done in 2023 about Little Richard. Oh, kay? okay. All right. It's two hours, and uh, it was fantastic. And I really, really learned uh, a lot. Uh, about him, about his influence, uh, about some of the seminal moments in his life, particularly in, in public, and the moment when at the, at the Grammy Awards, he took over the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. He took it over. He owned me. it. And the winner is me. <laughs> the winner is me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and to, to listen to Ringo star talk about how they idolized him right they idolized him yeah. uh and the same with Keith Richards uh they got him out of his coffin and got him to speak uh actually coherently
2: <laughs> I, that's just one of the things i love about episode. both the beatles and the stones is they've been completely open about their influences 100% they've said we this
1: is where we well, got this and we love it, this i love that you can't hide it you yeah. you can't hide it Woo! Yeah. <laughs> he he did it first. He he did it first. So anyway, if you can look at that one, I'm sure you know you can watch anything from public TV on on their website, full you know, in, in perfect fidelity. Uh, I, I me, highly recommend the little the little Richard American Masters from from a couple months ago.
2: Let me it's mention on good. this day that we've just got word that the great director William Friedkin has passed away. William Friedkin, if you ever liked a car chase in a movie, he took it to a new level in a film called The French Connection. Also, a film that is kind of overlooked of his called To Live and Die in L.A. in 1985. Uh, William Friedkin also directed The Exorcist and several other films and did very, very well with his career. William Friedkin uh, died at the age of 87 today, Brad.
1: What are you turning into Charles Kuralt? (laughs) A a master director died today. If you ever liked a car chase
2: in a movie. Jesus. God, (laughs) all
1: right. Uh, Have a great rest of the week. We'll check back in with you uh, seven days from now. And uh, my guess is, what do you think? I think we will have the quartet, the big four indictments in the bag by then.
2: It'll be interesting, and then I, I think there is a slight chance that maybe he does uh, find himself under a contempt of court charge for running his big fat mouth and posting stuff on social. That'd be great.
1: Well, he's not going to obey that. Yeah. He's going to challenge. He's going to challenge them to have the, you know, uh, the people who do security for the Justice Department come to his home and drag him away. He, he wants that.